This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, everyone. Luke's English Podcast is sponsored by italki. To improve your fluency in English, go to teacherluke.co.uk forward slash talk and get some one-to-one lessons with a native speaker. Speaking to humans is a good way to improve your English naturally, so you don't sound like a robot. Thank you for listening. Here's the jingle. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Luke's English Podcast. How are you doing? I hope you're all fine out there in podcast land. Here is another episode for you. And this one is full of what I hope will be more useful insight and advice. Got to pause there for the drums. More useful insight and advice on how to learn English as an adult so that you don't end up sounding like a robot. Because you're learning English, or at least maintaining your English, and it's a long-term process, there are right ways and wrong ways of doing it. Pause for the drums. And I want to support you along the way, you know? The main aim of this podcast is to help you stay on track as you continue to develop your English, trying to find new ways and improving the old ways so that you get a grip on this language. So this episode represents not just my ideas, but also the thoughts, conclusions and recommendations of plenty of other linguists and polyglots who certainly should know what they're talking about because they've either studied the process of language acquisition or they've learned multiple languages themselves. Okay, contained in this episode is a distillation. I'm going to pause there on the word distillation. Contained in this episode is a distillation of lots of experiences, research, and common knowledge about language learning, okay? Including my own thoughts. What happened to the music? I can't keep going without the music. Right, more drumming. Here we go. Okay, so what, what was I saying? Contained in this episode is a distillation of lots of experiences, research, and common knowledge about language learning, including my own thoughts and practical tips, which I've picked up after 15 years of teaching English as a foreign language. So I hope this will be a motivating, inspiring, and interesting episode for you to listen to as part of your English learning journey. So here we go. And we're going to get started as soon as this drum solo ends, which is going to happen in just a couple of seconds. Okay, there we go. Right, so... This, this is another episode about learning English, and it's full of advice on uh, how to learn English, right? Um, now then, before we go any further, I just want to ask you a question. And the question is, do you know about a website called Cora? Cora. It's Cora.com, spelled Q-U-O-R-A.com, Cora.com. Um, now, this is a good website where people post all kinds of thoughtful questions 
and then other users of the website chip in with answers, okay? Uh, the answers are then read by all of the members of the Quora community, and they are upvoted. So if people read the answers and they like them, they upvote them. Just give it a little click and it upvotes the answer. And that basically helps the best information to be presented to everyone because when something is upvoted enough times, it kind of rises to the top uh, and then it gets presented so that everyone else can then read uh, the best answers. So the stuff that the community considers to be the best answers um, rises to the top and then you end up with like all the best answers to those questions available for everyone else to read, you see. And the result is that um, you get a selection of some of the best advice and best information from people who actually know what they're talking about. Um, okay, so this is not a new concept, really. It's been done before by other websites like uh, Yahoo and Reddit and so on. But it seems that Quora is used by slightly more serious people. And as a result, the content on Quora is pretty reliable and intelligent. Um, so you can sign up and choose what types of topic you're interested in. It's all free and all that sort of thing. Um, and so I signed up to Quora a few years ago. And uh, I selected language learning as one of the sort of feeds that I'm interested in. And um, I came across this post, which I'm going to talk to you about uh, in this episode. In fact, I often get emails from Cora with interesting language learning questions and answers, and they're very interesting to read. I also selected a bunch of other options. So I selected language learning and a few other things. Uh, I, I can't really remember what they are now. I think at the the time when I signed up with Cora, I think I was kind of preparing to teach my university courses, probably um, stuff about American history and American current affairs. So I think that a lot of the things I signed up for were related to that. But there, are, I think my feed preferences are quite random. Like I selected questions about gun control, science and technology and politics and stuff. And as a result, along with all the language learning questions, I also get sent some pretty bizarre question and answers about things like, you know, weird questions like, can you get shot in the head and survive? I think I read about that one recently. And what's the worst bear attack in human history? Um, which, to be fair, I did read and I found it fascinating. Actually, there's, there's an amazing story about apparently the worst bear attack in history. And another one, which was, what happens when you die? I got an email from Cora saying, you might be interested in this. And apparently lots of people had been responding to this question, what happens when you die? And so I read all these amazing answers. Like some people seem to actually know, like scientists and stuff seem to have a pretty good idea of what it feels like uh, when you die. It's weird, right? So all of those things, I admit, I've, I do find fascinating. Um, and perhaps I'll make podcast episodes based on those things one day as well. But this episode is not about bears and guns and stuff. No, this one's about the, the far more exciting uh, subject of uh, learning languages. And in fact, this whole episode is based around one question, which I read on Quora. And the question that we're looking at here in this episode is this. Uh, what are the most essential skills of a good foreign language learner? Okay, now that should be a question that grabs your attention. Never mind the, the worst bear attack in history and what happens if you get shot in the head. Never mind those things. Um, I imagine that you're probably quite interested to know the answers to this question. What are the most essential skills of a good foreign language learner? What makes a really good language learner, basically? And it's, a, it's an old question. It's the age-old question. 
Um, what are the best ways to learn a language? And, you know, what are the best habits or skills of a good foreign language learner? Let's talk about it. I say let's talk about it. I mean, I'm, I'm going to talk about it. You can, you can chip in with your responses. You can write your responses on the website. I'm sure that many of you who've, have got lots of really good insights into this as well, because I know for a fact that many people who listen to this podcast uh, have improved their English in, in very clever ways. And I've got some excellent learners of English listening to this. Um, so if you've got ideas and, and suggestions and you know things you want to say, then jump into the comments section and write some constructive comments. Um, so let's see. What about the answers that you might find on Quora to this question? Well, I found about 12 answers from different people. And uh, the answer, the, the most popular answers seem to come from either experienced language learners, like polyglots, people who've got experience of learning many languages, and they've sort of got it down to a fine art. Or they are linguists, you know, like professional academics who make their uh, make it their business to understand how people learn languages and the best ways in which to learn languages. And also there are, you know, comments from uh, English teachers and um, other enthusiasts, essentially. Okay, so we're going to go through about 12 answers from different people. And this is actually, this is perfect for an episode of Luke's English Podcast, because I don't really need to prepare anything. I can just read through the different answers and make comments about them along the way. All right, so I'm going to be reading out other people's words here. And I will leave a link to this question on Quora so that you can then visit them, visit those responses and read them for yourself and read the comments on the comments. Because on Quora, even comments get comments. It's like a never-ending stream of comments going off in different directions. You can explore and read the whole thing and sign up with Quora. It's free. I don't work for Quora. They're not sponsoring this podcast. I just think it's a good uh, website uh, where you can kind of read up on interesting things. Okay, so what are the most essential skills of a good foreign language learner? Let's jump in. Um, and um, let's start then. Okay, so the, that question, one of the most essential skills of a good foreign language learner, the, the, the first answer, which received, or oh, how many, it received 113 upvotes, uh, this first answer comes from Judith Meyer, who it appears uh, has published books on language learning and runs work runs workshops on language learning. So she's a published author who seems to know what she's talking about. And so according to Judith, um, she has broken it down to things like dedication and discipline and short-term memory. Uh, there's more to it than that, but these are the things that she focuses on in her answer. And I'm now going to read through her answer. Okay, so here we go. This is what Judith Meyer said. So she said, the most essential is dedication and discipline. Okay, um, I've met a lot of polyglots. They all have different skills. Some are great at reading, but can barely speak. Others have fluent conversations, either, even with a vocabulary of just 500 words. Some are walking grammar references. Others don't know anything at all about grammar and so on. Also, they use very different methods, sometimes contradicting, contradicting each other, for example, on whether there should be a silent period or whether quick heat versus slow and steady is best. Now, I guess I'll comment on that last bit there, a silent period. Maybe what she means is a period in which you study the language, but you don't actually speak it. And then this thing about quick heat versus slow and steady, I expect that quick heat is probably something like jumping in at the deep end 
and learning really fast in pressured situations like for example if you just move to the UK and get a job in a in a in a in a restaurant um and just learn on your feet and it's really difficult and stressful but the learning curve is very steep or slow and steady which is probably where you learn you know the language bit by bit and you grade the challenge slowly and and as you as you learn more and more i imagine that's what she means by quick heat versus slow and steady so she's saying that she's met lots of polyglots met lots of people who've learned languages and they all have different techniques and different sort of approaches and different views on it but and here's where she continues she says uh, what they all have in common is that they regularly spend time on languages generally at least 1 hour every day also, I see a direct cor- correlation between the time spent and the result. People who speak 20 or more languages still have different methods and different skills, but they all spend more than six hours and sometimes up to 10 hours a day on languages. Obviously, it helps to have a job that allows one to practice languages. I also don't know anyone who spends that much time on languages and who doesn't speak 20 languages or more. In the end, it seems that pure time spent is more important than talent, more important than methods, more important than materials. That's why I say dedication is the number one most important skill. Okay, so that's her first point. Dedication and time, I suppose. So time, that's 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 quite good. That reinforces the fact that my episodes are long, doesn't it? That kind of reinforces my decision to make longer episodes. I hope so, because it means that every time you listen to Luke's English podcast, you're spending a bit more time on English, even though you are probably just listening, although there are other ways of using this podcast to improve things like your speaking. You're probably just listening. So if you listen to an hour of podcast, that's good. That means you've put some more time into the, into the English bank and you're going to get some more out of it uh, on the other side. Unlike, you know, if you listen to six minutes English from the BBC, which is just six minutes, although there are ways to use six minute English um, and, you know, it's a great podcast. But, you know, anyway, the more time you put in, the more you get out. So I don't mean to just say that that's uh, sort of reinforces the length of my podcasts, but also it just shows you, doesn't it, that obviously it's about, you know, trying to make it regular practice, uh, trying to do something every day because ultimately the time you spend on it is something you get back from it. So uh, if you're dedicated and you uh, are devoted to doing regular practice, then it's going to pay off. So that's her first point. Second point she makes is about the short-term memory. In fact, she calls it ultra short-term memory. And she says this, another answer is that studies have found that ultra short-term memory like, for example, seconds, like that kind of short term, like just a few seconds. Ultra short term memory is critically important since it allows you to analyse what you read or hear and then use it for language learning. If you immediately forget, you can't mentally compare it to what you saw before, so you can't learn from it. Okay, so it seems that having really good short term memory is important. Um, Now, you might think, oh, my memory is a disaster. My short-term memory is terrible. Uh, You might think that. But, and this is what what Judith Meyer says, she says, on the bright side, you can train this memory quite easily. Just read a few words and immediately say what you read. Practice with ever longer sequences of words. 
Do this for several minutes a day for a few weeks and your ultra short-term memory will be much better. Um, now, this this sort of reminds me of a thing that I do in my English classes sometimes. So in my English lessons, you know, I do all the normal teaching and stuff like that. And I give my students tasks and give them opportunities to speak. And I give them corrections and we do vocab and grammar work and all that stuff. But sometimes I, I have this technique, which you can actually use yourself. And you can use things like six minute English from the BBC, or in fact, any audio that's got a transcript to it. You can use this technique. And I think it works on ultra short term memory. And it's actually a very simple technique that the that what you do, right, what the teacher does, or what I do, is I play a little little clip of some audio to my students, and they have to repeat it word for word, okay? So it could be something very simple. Let's say we've just watched a video. Let's say we've just watched, a, um, like, a, I don't know, just any video clip. It doesn't have to be the BBC, just some video clip in which people... My favourite video clip at the moment is one from a TV show where uh, someone with a new business is trying to get investment from a group of investors and they present their business and the investors ask questions and they negotiate an investment deal. Okay, that's my favourite TV show for teaching business English at the moment. And so what I do, we watch the video and we, you know, we we answer questions and we discuss the content of the video. And then I say, okay, let's watch it again. But this time I'm going to pause it after every little utterance. So everything that you, every tiny little bit that you hear, I'm going to pause it and I'm going to ask someone in the class to repeat exactly word for word what they just heard. So for example, the first thing that you hear is one of the questions and, you know, one of the investors says, uh, tell me what competitors you've got. Tell me what competitors you've got. And the student has to say, tell me what competitors you've got. And the point is that they have to, first of all, listen to that sentence, tell me what competitors you've got. And then they need to repeat it word for word. And that does actually rely on short-term memory. It focuses their attention on understanding the sentence, understanding every single word, holding the sentence in their mind for long enough to be able to then repeat it. And it's actually a really interesting task because I think it involves absolutely everything. It involves their understanding of, uh, uh, first of all, it involves their listening. They've got to be able to hear every single word. It involves their vocabulary because it helps them if they know all the words. Like, for example, if they know the word competitors, it involves pronunciation because, you know, you end up with word stress. You, You end up trying to replicate the way in which the sentence was constructed including the connected speech, the sentence stress, the word stress, the intonation, all that kind of stuff. It sort of combines it all into one thing and it relies on the person's ability to memorise that little utterance and then repeat it. So that's a technique that you can use to practice your short-term memory. So let's say you're using six-minute English, okay, which is a BBC podcast, And one of the good things about Six Minute English is that it comes with a transcript. Every episode is transcribed and they're quite short. So what you could do is listen to the episode, you know, just try and understand what they're saying. It's not too difficult because they, you know, they speak fairly clearly on Six Minute English. Um, If you want more of a challenge, you just need to find some other bit of audio that's got a transcript. You could do it with a movie. You could. If you put the subtitles on your movie and you, you then listen to a bit of the movie and like you can you can sort of cover the subtitles with your hand like simply put your hand in front of your face so you can't see the bottom of the screen and then you won't see the subtitles listen to a, a line of the movie 
do it with your favorite movie. Do it with Star Wars, right? Listen to a line of the movie and pause it and try and repeat that line you've just heard. Repeat it, listen again, go back, listen again, and then check the transcript or check the subtitles and to see if what you have said or what you have understood is exactly the same thing as what the person actually said. And in doing that, you first of all practice your ultra short term memory in trying to recall and hold that sentence in your head. But also it makes you focus your attention on, you know, the micro level um, stuff, uh, all the vocab, the grammar, the connected speech, all of it. And you keep going and you do that for, let's say, 10 minutes every day. That's going to make a huge difference to your English. It's similar to the, it's similar to what many listeners are doing with the transcript collaboration project, which is where they listen, they do that with episodes of this podcast. They're literally listening to every single word and trying to transcribe it and listening again, transcribing, listening again. And then they show it to each other because there's a group of them and they kind of proofread each other's work. And that's the kind of intensive training that can really help develop a key skill in your English learning, which is developing that sense of short-term memory combined with building your vocabulary and your awareness and use of of uh, pronunciation, you know, because you're actually producing the sentences by repeating them. Some, some people call that shadowing, where you literally sort of repeat everything you've heard and try and make it sound exactly like the way you've just heard it. And it's, it is focusing on building that short-term memory, because as I said, you need to hold a whole utterance in your mind. So tell me what competitors you've got becomes one long word, which you have to remember. Tell me what competitors you've got. So you're learning English in pieces rather than individual words, because individual words are all well and good, but these are just the building blocks of language. Like, for example, I don't know, if we, if we, um, if we take Lego as an example, okay, it's no good. Le- Lego, let's say if you've built a whole Millennium Falcon out of Lego. Now, the individual pieces of Lego are great, but if, if you just learn all those, if you take all those individual Lego pieces uh just separately, then you haven't got the Millennium Falcon. You've just got a big pile of plastic. But if you connect all those pieces together bit by bit, you will, you know, you might not have the whole Millennium Falcon, but you're going to have sort of uh, coherent parts of it. You know, you're going to have like a part of the cockpit here, a part of the gun turret there, and slowly you're building it together. And you you need to make those words stick together to create um, like coherent chunks of language and repeating, first of all, repeating words, repeating sentences, making making the bits that you repeat longer and longer until you might even, for example, be repeating a whole speech from a movie. If you can learn the whole speech from Taken, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want, you know? If you can remember that whole speech, then that's great, you know? But you can break it down into bits and remember each bit and try and repeat it and then do the whole speech. And when you do the whole speech, you've got to do it like you really mean it. And that's going to focus your attention on the intonation, the word stress and stuff like that. Okay. Um, Now, Judith Meyer um, posted a YouTube video in her answer. And it's a video of of a guy called Anthony Lauder, who describes himself as a polynot. So a polyglot, obviously, is someone who speaks many languages, someone who's learnt many languages. Uh, and a polynot, according to Anthony Lauder, is obviously someone who hasn't. So I think I'm a polynot because obviously I speak English, but um, 
I'm trying to learn French and I'm not doing a very good job. And if you heard me recently on the podcast saying hello to people in different languages, then you'll be well aware that my uh, use of different languages obviously is rubbish. And in fact, some of my listeners uh, took uh, time to point that out to me in the comments section. And I've got quite a few messages from people saying, uh, you know, I love your podcast and everything, but honestly, your your Russian is awful. Um, yeah, it is awful, but you know, um, I'm not, I ha- to be honest, I'm not trying to learn Russian. I probably should. I probably should learn Russian because I think it's a really a fascinating language and so many people speak Russian. It would be great to learn it. But, um, anyway, don't judge me on my, uh, my Russian so harshly. Um, anyway, what was I saying? So you can see the, um, the video of Anthony Lauder talking about, um, the differences in the way that polyglots learn language and the way that sort of failed language learners learn language. Um, And uh, it's very interesting and it contains some of these things like the importance of short-term memory and uh, approaches to learning vocabulary. You'll see the video on the page for this episode or if you just go to the page on Quora that I'm reading from, you'll also see that video. And I strongly recommend that you watch the video. Um you should watch it. It's a great presentation by Anthony Lauder at the 2013 Polyglot Conference. Uh, The video, the presentation has a slightly slow start with a couple of technical difficulties at first. The lighting is not very good and the sound quality is not perfect. I also found it slightly off-putting that he was presenting uh, his uh, talk just wearing shorts and flip-flops and a t-shirt and he actually takes the flip-flops off after t- about 10 minutes and he's just presenting in his bare feet in a pair of shorts. I found that a little bit off-putting at the beginning, but it shouldn't really matter, I suppose, you know, and it sort of actually is quite unconventional. But the, the presentation gets really good after a few minutes when he starts to get into the specifics of what he's learnt about uh, the ways in which polyglots learn language. And the, the presentation is actually very amusing, it's very funny, and it has some truly great insights into how uh, to learn languages. So I suggest you check it out. So there you go. That's um, That was um, the first response, Judith Meyer saying, you know, dedication and discipline, and then building uh, and working on your sh- ultra short term memory are very important things. Um, the next answer comes from um, Lisa Biscup. Um, and she's an English language coach, a writer, and also a language learner herself. And she wrote, um, she wrote this comment. She said, I think one of the basic skills for learning languages these days is the ability to know how to be a successful self-directed learner. There are so many options out there for learning a foreign language outside of the traditional classroom setting, but it's important to know how to use them effectively. Each person learns differently. And in the end, a certain method only works if you actually use it. Um, okay, and she then provides a couple of links to some other things. So that's a good point. You've got to find your own method for learning English. Um, and, you know, try out lots of different methods. You've got to experiment. You've got to try out lots of different techniques. I have talked about a number of techniques on this podcast before. In fact, just recently, I did a couple of episodes called Breaking the Intermediate Plateau, and they have got advice on specific things you can do to improve your English. Um, and look into the look in the episode archive. You'll find episodes like, you know, how to uh, use Luke's English podcast to improve your English and, and lots of other things as well. Um, so check them out. But ultimately, experiment with different methods of, of improving your English. Try lots of different things. 
not all of them are going to work for you. It depends on what kind of learner you are. Uh, but, you know, try them out and you'll find that one or two approaches sticks and they, they work. Um, and so, you know, stick with them. So try different methods and find the method that works for you and then actually use it. All right. Um, and think about uh, your whole approach to learning on your own and, you know, a, attempt some different uh, approaches. Okay. All right. That answer, uh, it was the second one from Lisa Biscup. And then the third one is from a guy called Sagar Dubey. Sagar Dubey. Yeah. Okay. I don't know where he's from. I don't know what kind of name that is. Um, and uh, Sagar uh, says this. So here's his answer. He says, dedication and enjoying it. So he says, a lot of general learning principles apply to language learning. More, more than others, though, motivation is even more important. At the same time, even the most motivated learners have uh, off days and you just have to push past it. Okay, so I guess the point he's making there is that even the greatest language learners or even the most motivated language learners are going to have those days where they just, it's not working and they fail and they're demotivated and they're hitting a wall, you know, all people will experience those those barriers and you've just got to keep going. You've got to keep going, you know, push through the barriers. I've said it before and I'll say it again. You know, don't let the obstacles stop you. You've got to keep going. Dedication. In a way, you know, think about Lord of the Rings, all right? Now, this might be a strange uh, analogy, but think when I think of dedication, uh, I think of Lord of the Rings, weirdly, because there's like, uh, there are moments in that story where the characters, you know, like Frodo and Sam have to take the ring to Mordor to destroy the ring forever so that Sauron can't get it back. And these two hobbits have to go all the way across Middle Earth, all the way into the most dangerous part of the of this world in order to complete this apparently impossible mission. And there are moments when, you know, they they are sure, they're convinced that they're going to fail. You know, they've lost all hope. Um, they seem to be right on the verge of failure. Everything seems to be against them. They're convinced they're going to fail, but they keep going. And that's the most important thing, that they just carried on even when they didn't have any hope left. Now, that's quite an extreme example there, but you could translate it to language learning. So there might come a time where you think, I'm never going to improve or I'm never going to learn this or, you know, I'm never going to get this right. Don't let that stop you, okay? You've just got to keep pushing forwards at all times. So never give up. Um, so Sagar continues by saying, I'm currently on my fourth language. I don't know if I'm a good language learner. All I know is that it's only brought me good things and the effort has paid off in many, many ways. So start by figuring out if you really care about the language and why you're learning. Can you learn without these things? Sure, but it'll take longer and it will involve drudgery. So, so I suppose what Sagar out there is saying is that it's very important to, um, you know, feel from your heart like you care about the language you're learning. You know, you've got to be personally invested in it. And that means you need to find ways to really enjoy the process of learning English because that's really going to help you carry on and keep going. Um, and he continues by saying, start by understanding the relative difficulty of the language you want to learn. This means what's the difficulty of the language you want to learn relative to your native language. 
And this is dependent on language trees and families. For example, if you know Latin or one of the Romance languages, like Spanish or Italian, then you can learn the others pretty quickly. So learn one first thoroughly to avoid confusion. I suppose there that, that specifically is talking about learning many languages. And you can sort of, once you've learnt a few languages, you can add others um, by sort of transferring the things you've learnt. I don't know if that applies to learning English. Maybe you could just think about if you've learned other languages, maybe, you know, you can call upon some similarities with those languages in English or at least judge the challenge that you've got. You know, it's always important to know the difference between your language and the language you're learning. I think it's wise, for example, not to assume that you can always translate everything from your first language directly into English and it'll be the same. Uh, that's a dangerous thing to do. So beware of the gap, you know, mind the gap between your language and English. And it's important to know the difference. Often things don't translate just right. So beware of that lazy approach of just taking what you would normally say in your language and just translating it word for word into English, because often the result will be a total disaster. Um, so beware of the gap, mind the gap between your language and, and the, the English that you're looking for. Um, and Sagar continues by saying, there are many resources available online now. Immersion is a very powerful method where you surround yourself with your target language and just let it be in the background so that your brain gets used to it. Um, and I suppose we, what we can take from that is that or that you don't necessarily need to be in the country of that language to learn that language. That now with the internet, you can kind of replicate the experience of living in another country by you know, using things like podcasts so that you're regularly listening to English and using services like italki so that you can actually speak to native speakers on a regular basis. And you don't actually need to leave your home country. You can just sort of replicate it all now with the internet and you can kind of create a sort of immersion online. Um, so that's that's a response from Sagar Dubey and we're going to keep going. Here's a response from someone called Manuel Eichart, who is a linguist. Um, and Manuel, Man, Manuel, sorry, Man, not Manuel, a manual is, a manual is a book that you read when you've bought a new DVD player or, or a book you don't read. I mean, who reads the manual when they get a new DVD player? I don't. Uh, anyway, not Manuel, Manuel. Sorry, Spanish people. I just mangled his name there, didn't I? Um, anyway, Manuel Eichart is a linguist. And he's got lots of things to say on this subject. And he, he, says, uh, he says this. Uh, so what makes a good or bad language learner? He says, uh, the same reason that makes a good or bad math learner. Motivation, hard work and an aptitude for the subject matter. The confusion comes when we compare the organic way in which children acquire their, their, their language, uh, their first language, with the systematic way that adults use to accomplish the same task. And this leads people to believe that there must be hacks or tricks to make up for the difficulty in our adult language learning. Um, ah, okay, so this relates to other things that um, Man Manuel has written about. Um, and I'm going to read uh, one of Manuel's other uh, answers to another question. So this question was, what are the common difficulties encountered by second language learners? And Manuel says, the most common difficulty is breaking the language barrier. In fact, you're not learning a language, but relearning it. 
because you already have one language, that's your L1, and when you learn a new one, L2, your mother tongue protects itself, causing interferences. To overcome those difficulties, learners turn to deductive or inductive methods to see what works best for them. So I guess what Manuel here is talking about is the influence of your first language upon your learning of the second language, right? That, you know, we know that something like 95% of the mistakes that people make in their second language are as a result of influence from the first language. And in order to overcome this influence from L1, we need to use different methods of learning the second language. And those include deductive or inductive methods. Um, okay, deductive and inductive methods. Essentially, what we're talking about there with deductive and inductive methods are two approaches to to learning a language, okay? You've got um, deductive, which is like basically studying the and learning the language by studying the rules, understanding the rules, and then applying that to the way that you understand the language itself, right? So there's two things. There's there's the rules of language or the grammar, the way that the language actually fits together and works, okay? That's the rules of the language. And then you've got the language itself, or let's say usage. So the way in which language is used and that includes, you know, all the stuff that you see in books and magazines, all the English that you hear spoken. That's uh, the usage, okay? So there's two approaches. You could either start with the rules and sort of learn the grammar, and that's a very traditional approach. You know, that sort of goes back to the old-fashioned way of learning a language where you kind of learn grammar items one by one or you work on um, translating bits of, of, of the second language into, into the first language and back again. And it's very much sort of like a mechanical approach to understanding the, the syntax and the general limitations of, of the language. Okay, so you learn the rules and then you apply that to both understanding and expressing yourself in English. So that's the deductive approach. Then you've got the inductive approach, which is where you just focus on the language itself. So you read things, you listen to things, and you kind of uh, work out the rules of the language based on uh, what you're hearing and what you're reading. And even, you know, that can involve actually using the language yourself and sort of getting involved in communication and based on the mistakes that you make, sort of piecing it together in your own mind. Um, now, I think actually both of those ways are have their benefits. Um, and really, what you should probably do is a bit of both. Although I kind of lean to the side of inductive learning myself, you know, which is where you just connect with the language itself, the living language, and you sort of um, expose yourself to the message in in a, in a in a piece of English. And you try and focus on actually understanding subjects and understanding communication and then as a result of that, you start to get a feel for the way that the language works by exposing yourself to it, by creating your own rules, by noticing aspects of the language. But I think it's also important to actually open up a grammar book sometimes and look in detail at, you know, the summaries of the way in which the language works. So it's worth reading the manual for English as well as actually just trying to start the DVD player. You know, there's like two ways of doing it. You get your DVD player or you get your car or whatever. And you could just, let's let's say it's a car, right? You've just bought a car. Now, is that a good example? No, let's go, let's go back to the DVD player example, right? You've just bought a new DVD player. And I mean, let's assume you don't know how to use a DVD player. Most people do these days, but let's say you don't. 
And so, you you know, you could read the manual and understand it bit by bit and then apply yourself to the DVD player. Or you could just start plugging the DVD player in and messing around with it and sticking discs in and seeing what happens until eventually you work out for yourself the way it works. So it's kind of like uh, deductive... Uh, deductive approach and the inductive approach you know and it's probably a mixture of the two you could probably unpack the dvd player have a look at it mess around with it while also having a look in the manual at the same time and then you will be the master of your dvd player um the dvd player is a fairly simple example i suppose but uh, it kind of works for language learning as well so the point there at the end of that section is um you know learn study the grammars and stuff study the rules, um, see if you can make your own conclusions based on the rules that you understand. Uh, but, you know, that can lead to a fairly mechanical um, use of English, you know, and that can actually be problematic because you end up being far too uh, preoccupied by the rules and what's correct and what's not correct. And you lose that sort of pragmatic sense of just using the language as a communication tool. So, you know, be aware of the grammar, but also make sure that you're actually involved in using the language in a much more organic sort of way. And that means communicating, reading, listening and things like that. Listen to lots of episodes of Luke's English podcast and from time to time, go through a grammar book, but don't get too, uh, don't, you know, don't get too demotivated if you find it all to be a little bit too complex. Yet at the same time, be willing to understand it bit by bit because the two things together are really going to uh, help you to improve your English properly. Okay, right. Here's a, here's a comment from Beth Browse. And I don't know, uh, I don't know what she does. There's, there's no description of Beth Browse, but I think this is quite an interesting answer anyway. So Beth uh, says this in her comment. She says, this is an interesting question because most often it's framed um, it is framed like this. People often frame this question as what brings success with learning languages, which usually includes daily practice, as much exposure to the language as possible, but rarely is the focus on characteristics an individual possesses or develops. So here Beth is talking about, I guess, learning styles or or the sort of the, the, the makeup of an individual and how that affects the way that they learn a language. So uh, Beth says, in my experience, how much time and effort is put in is probably the most important, but it's definitely true that some people seem to have a knack, like a, a just a natural aptitude. They have a knack for languages and they pick it up much more quickly than others. I think these people generally have some or all of the following characteristics. So it seems that Beth here is talking about it's not just hard work. It's about having a knack for the language, which um, is a bit, it's, I guess, I'm not always ready to agree with that, that some people are just naturally good at learning languages and others aren't. I like to think that everyone is able to learn languages and that there aren't people out there who are language proof. I don't like to believe that. You know, uh, I would like to think that everyone, as long as they approach it in the right way, everyone can find their own method of learning a language and everyone can do it. But anyway, here are the characteristics that Beth Browse has come up with uh, for uh, people who seem to have a knack for learning a language. By the way, the, the, the word knack, to have a knack for something, knack is spelled K-N-A-C-K, okay? Knack. So it's not pronounced knack. 
It's pronounced knack. All right. It's one of those words with a silent K at the beginning, like knowledge or no, in this case, knack. All right. Um, so um, people who have a knack for learning English seem to have some or all of the following characteristics. And these are the characteristics she talks about. So she starts again with a good memory. And she says, this sounds obvious, but I do believe that some people naturally have a better memory than others. I know for myself that I'm much better at remembering things I see than things I hear. And I think this works well for learning languages in a classroom style where most of the information is written. Perhaps for a more immersion style learning, for example, being in the country and surrounding yourself with the language, a more audio suited memory would be better. The most fundamental aspect of a new language is vocabulary. And generally, when languages are taught from the beginning, a lot of time is spent on vocabulary lists. A good memory is also very useful for learning new grammar concepts and for remembering past errors. Of course, a good memory is important for any field of study, but I think, I think more so for languages than, say, for studying social sciences, which is more analytical. Um, all right, so she thinks that... Um, People who are good at remembering vocabulary lists. Well, it's certainly important to be able to remember vocabulary. And as we've already established, it is possible to develop your memory. And I've talked in previous episodes, not just about this technique for working on your short-term memory, but techniques for long-term memory as well. I've talked about mnemonic devices and the importance of, for example, making connections uh, between new words and existing memories, trying to create vivid visual pictures of, of words, using words yourself in order to try and remember them. I can, I've Actually, I discovered um, quite a useful website that you might like to hear about, everyone. Uh, hello, everyone. You're still listening to me, aren't you? Do I need to play a drum solo in order to keep you uh, focused? No, I don't? All right. So let me tell you about this website that I, I found. Uh, oh, where is it now? It's called the Mnemonic Dictionary. Mnemonic Dictionary. Mnemonic Dictionary. Um, just go to mnemonicdictionary.com. And mnemonic is spelled M-N-E-M-O-N-I-C. So there's a silent M at the beginning. What's with all the silent letters today? I don't know. But anyway, mnemonicdictionary.com. Um, and... It's basically an online dictionary. They give you definitions and synonyms and things. But also, at the bottom of definitions, underneath them, you'll see there are lots of little mnemonic uh, prompts that will help you remember the word. Now, the word that I typed in randomly um, into the mnemonic dictionary was the word libel. Do you know the word libel? It's a legal English word. Um, and basically, a, a libel refers to a form of uh, defamation, which is one of those, you know, it's like a sort of uh, a, a, a civil wrong. So, it, okay, um, in, in, in law, oh, am I, I going to get caught up in legal English now? Why not? So in law, there are, in civil law, like private law between individuals, not criminal law, but like private law, um, there are a number of different types of tort or sort of wrong things. It's like the equivalent of crimes in criminal law. You have torts in civil law. And one of those torts is uh, defamation. That's basically where you say something or publish something about another person which um, um, which actually uh, damages that person's reputation, damages their character, may cause them to lose money or lose business, for example. So it could be saying a lie, telling a lie about someone in public, 
and that and then that person you know uh, loses their reputation or they might lose a job or something like that so there's two types of defamation there's slander which is where you just say things and then libel which is where you actually publish or write false or malicious things about a person okay the definition here in mnemonic dictionary is that libel is a noun and it means a false and malicious publication printed for the purpose of defaming a living person like bringing down the reputation of a living person all right uh, it's so it's it's a form of defamation in writing um, so could you remember the word libel? Now, maybe libel has a similar word in your language. Maybe it doesn't. But here are a few different sort of little mnemonic memory aids that can help you remember the word libel. Um, so first of all, here's one. Now, you can decide which ones you like and which ones you don't like. I know the one I like the best. And I'll tell you about that. But uh, the the first example given here is that Libel is close to the word label, right? It sounds like the word label. We know what a label is. You get a label on the back of your T-shirt, you know, a little tag on the inside neck of your T-shirt. is a label. Uh, so the word libel is a bit close to the word label, right? It's just got an I instead of an A. And so we tend to label people by their shortcomings. We tend to label people uh, based on the negative things. So if you label someone as, let's say, a corrupt person, if you labelled this politician as being corrupt, then that's similar to making a defamatory statement against them. Hmm, label, libel, to label someone. Okay, maybe. This is the one that I like, this second one. And it's, so you break down the word libel into two words. And you've got lie and bull or bell. Bell, like ring, ring, gading, 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 a bell, right? I quite like this one because libel, first you lie about somebody and then you ring a bell to let everyone know. So imagine ringing a bell in public. Imagine you're in the town square. You've got a big bell. And then you tell everyone about what this person did. This, per this politician has accepted bribes from uh, the mafia. Uh, this politician is corrupt, for example. So you lie about someone and ring a bell. So lie, bell, libel. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about when I say mnemonic devices. You've got to sort of think outside the box a little bit. It might seem a bit strange to use a weird connection like that and to create an image, but it's going to help you remember the word. Okay. So libel. Um, okay. And it's a noun. And rem remember that lying about someone and ringing a bell in public. Okay. Libel. I'm going to test you on that word at the end of this episode. And I expect the end of the episode is going to come in about 10 or 15 minutes, I think. So let's see if you remember that one. Okay. So that's a good memory. Then uh, Beth goes on to say that it's important to have a good ear. <coughs> Excuse me. What she means there is good listening. So she says, I don't know if it's a coincidence that most people I know who enjoy learning languages and are good at it uh, also were trained musically, but being able to listen to a native speaker and mimic their pronunciation is also an important part of learning a language. It's really common for beginners to hear a simple phrase or sample phrase even and try to repeat it, having rearranged the sounds into something they're more comfortable with from their own language, but usually it never sounds like the first phrase. All right. Uh, I guess what she means is that it's important to train yourself to uh, listen to 
the music of of uh, the language you're learning. So if you're if you're listening to English, you know, think about the intonation pattern, the stress patterns over a sentence or over a phrase, and try to adopt or copy the same kinds of intonation and stress that you hear in English pronunciation. So if we go back to that exercise I talked about there, where you're shadowing, you're listening to, you know, let's say your video, whatever it is, with the video with subtitles or with a script. And you listen to a phrase like, for example, tell me what competitors you've got. Tell me what competitors you've got. And you're not just trying to focus on the words, but you're also trying to focus on the music of that phrase. Tell me what competitors you've got. Okay, so train your ear to the music of the language that you're that you're learning. Um, Beth uh, makes a third point, which is enjoyment. And she says this isn't so much a personal characteristic someone can possess, but it is hugely important. Motivated learners get a lot of satisfaction out of putting into use their new vocabulary and therefore they do it more often, which then reinforces their enjoyment and so on. Now I'm going to go back to the thing I've said before, which is when you're learning English, um, use resources that you actually enjoy listening to or reading. I mean, I'm amazed really at the number of times people tell me that um, they just listen to BBC News to improve their English. Now, I don't think we we consume that much news for enjoyment normally, do we? I personally don't really enjoy reading reading or listening to the news. I do it because I'm just curious about what's going on in the world. But the stuff I choose to listen to out of pure enjoyment usually is other stuff. It's like humorous conversations or conversations about the subjects that I love you know like I love the music of the Beatles and I'm never ever bored by that subject and so you know that's what I should be focusing on I should be listening to French uh, documentaries about the Beatles I should be reading books about the Beatles you know (coughs) and it's the same for you don't assume that you should just go to the BBC and listen to BBC news you know, think outside the box, find things that are uh, enjoyable to listen to and, uh, and and actually listen to them. All right. Now, I'm repeating myself there because I said that in uh, recent episodes of the podcast, so I don't need to go into that any further. Uh, Beth goes on to talk about diligence. Diligence. This is like a hardworking approach. She says this is also something that's important in every subject, but being able to have the mindset to commit to something like daily homework and self-study, even when it's in, even when it's not enjoyable, like for example, if you're doing repetitive grammar tasks, is also super important. So, uh, what I've said before on this is it's about habit, like <coughs> uh, developing uh, developing a habit and sticking with it. Right, I'm going to have a little drink because my throat's a bit dry. Mm. How are you doing? Are you all right? You still focused? If you've been sitting down while listening to this, can I suggest that you just sort of do some physical movements, like get some air in your lungs, have a good deep breath, you know, maybe stand up, walking around, walk around a little bit. One, one thing you can do, and I learned this recently, is that you should adopt relaxed, confident body positions. Not all the time, but at certain moments. Now, think about your body position, because this is important to this sort of thing as well. What's your body language saying? Are you sitting with your back bent over? Is your head in your hands as you listen to this? Are you taking up small amount of space? 
Or are you sitting back in your chair? Are your arms sort of sitting, uh, are you holding your arms by your side? Uh, do you have maybe your legs in a slightly wider, more relaxed position? If you're on a train, try not to manspread anyone or woman spread anyone, if that's possible. But sometimes it's worth just adopting a confident uh, body position which takes up more space and a positive sort of body position which involves also trying to smile sometimes. Now, again, this is going to feel a bit weird and a bit random. You might think, what's this got to do with learning English? But actually, you know, when you do adopt this confident body position, you like, let's say you sit back in your chair, you put your arms, put your arms behind your head and put your arms, put your hands behind your head and stretch your arms out and sit back like that, like you're really relaxed and confident. Let your legs open a little bit and just sit back nice and wide. Now, the point there is that actually that is releasing sort of um, responses in your body. Your body will actually enjoy that position and it'll release sort of relaxing um, I think it's endorphins into your body. That sounds strange, but it's true. It's in you can see it in. Uh, there's a, a great TED talk about uh, body language. I can't remember what it's called right now, but if you go to TED.com and look up um, body language, you'll see a few uh, talks there. There's one in particular which just gives evidence that if you sit in a confident position for a couple of minutes, it actually raises things like positive hormones and endorphins in your body. So this kind of thing is important, you know, like take a positive uh, body position. And that includes smiling. If you actually take a pen, take a pen, put it between your teeth and sort of put the pen between your teeth and you'll automatically adopt a kind of wide uh, smile in which you're uh, revealing your teeth. Now, if you're doing this in public, watch out because people are going to think you're a bit weird. Like, why is he sitting back with a pen between his teeth? But if you're in private, doing that can actually make you feel more positive. It gives you a little bit more of a positive energy kick. And uh, these are all like natural responses from the body. Okay, because the body position of a confident, happy, positive person will result in the feeling of a happy, happy, positive, confident person as well. So from time to time, think about your body position when you're doing when you're learning English, but also in any time, and just take a moment to just put yourself in the right body position, and you'll find that your motivation goes up a little bit, your general feeling goes up a little bit, and then you'll be ready to carry on again, all right? So how did I end up talking about that? I've no idea, but, oh, that's it. I was taking a drink of water, just because uh, I've got a slightly dry throat, and I was asking you how you were and I suggested that if you've been sitting there, that you just take a moment to stretch a little bit and just, you know, take get a bit of oxygen in your lungs before we move on. We're actually near the end of this episode uh, because I've already said a, a hell of a lot of stuff here. Um, but I'm going to finish Beth, what's her name, Beth Browse's comment. So the next point she makes is about being self-driven. Uh, and she says, since a lot depends on what you do yourself when you're learning languages, whether it be practicing vocabulary, finding resources to read or watch, or going through past corrections, there's a lot to be said for someone who can take the initiative to do work that isn't set as homework. <clears throat> so this goes back to the enjoyment post. Taking initiative and being like taking responsibility for your learning is vital, absolutely vital. And I, in my experience, the students who have a sense of self-control over their learning 
uh, are the ones who get more success. Whereas the students who come into class and sit there and expect to be spoon-fed by me or expect the teacher or the institution to be responsible for their learning program, then they don't usually do so well. You know, there's only so much that we can do for you. We can't learn English for you. Ultimately, you have to be the master of your own destiny, you know, so just bear that in mind. Um, uh, So let's see. She says aiming for 100%. So she thinks it's important to have a perfectionist attitude. So she says, since losing marks on language quizzes are often for things like spelling or grammatical mistakes or not using the right vocabulary, which always come up in future study, a perfectionist attitude is really helpful. So I guess what she's saying is that you need to be a bit of a perfectionist in order to, you know, push your learning further. So you've always got to be gunning for 100%. Now, I think it's a good idea to always be aiming for perfection. But the problem is there is that you can easily be, uh, you can easily be sort of, uh, what's the word for it? That can backfire on you because if you're constantly looking for perfection, then sometimes you end up sort of every time you fail, you know, it's like very uh, discouraging for you. So I think it's good to be diligent and always try to do better, but don't let failure hold you back. You know, you've got to always be willing to accept failure and learn from it and move on. So while it's important to aim for 100%, I would say be realistic and understand that failure sometimes happens and it's an opportunity to learn. Um, Another point here from Beth is creativity. She says, finding new ways to study or get exposure to the target language is important throughout the whole process, not just at the beginning. So as I always say, you've got to think outside the box. You've got to try new methods, be creative, come up with your own methods for learning a language, you know, play around, experiment, have have fun, play games and search by having different experiences and work out the best way for learning a language yourself. And that can all, that can mean being creative and it can mean uh, experimenting. For example, you could, for example, write a diary. You could write something every day in your diary. And, and when you're being creative in English, right, you're focusing on producing English. So I'm, I'm talking about uh, creative production, like speaking or writing. In those productive, creative exercises, it's important that you don't put restrictions on yourself. In comedy, in stand-up comedy, when you're trying to come up with funny ideas, you talk about switching off your editor because you've got an editor in your head which is telling you, don't do this, you can't do this, no, that's not going to work, you're going to look stupid, you can't say that, okay? So switch off the editor. Don't listen to that voice which is telling you that you can't do this, that you shouldn't do that. Just forget about that. Don't worry about making a fool of yourself. Um, and if you're writing something down privately, then it doesn't matter. Just create stupid stories, write down a stream of consciousness, uh, write down all the thoughts and feelings that you have about the day, write down a bunch of stuff about your future. Just let the English pour out of you um, and you know, find your voice in English. Be creative um, and don't let the editor in your head stop you from being creative. You can then refine that stuff later. Once you've got all the English out, you know, it's, you've got to let it come out. Let it all come out like spaghetti, okay? You know what I mean. Um, let it all come out 
and then work it all out later. But work on just letting all the let all the English come out on a piece of paper and see what happens. You might find that it's, it opens up uh, your voice. Now it's. <clears throat> I would say the same thing to someone who wanted to be a writer. Not someone learning a language, but someone who wanted to become uh, a writer of stories. I would say you've got to write, right? You know, you've got to just write and write and write and let it all come out. And even if it's total crap, you let it come out. You open up that channel. You know, you open the doors wide open and you let all the stuff come out. It's the same in producing comedy. You open up the, the creative channels and let it all flow out. Let it all fall out. Let it all hang out. And don't worry if it's if you feel like it's not going to work. You just get it all on the page. And then after that, you can work on refining it, fixing it, correcting it, and all that stuff. But just open up the floodgates. That's what I'm saying. Um, um, I think that's it. That's all I'm going to say. That's, that's my last point. Open up the floodgates. I think that's my last point. Okay. Um, there's There are other uh, responses here on this page on Quora. As I said before, you can visit the the page by clicking the link, which you will find uh, on the page for this episode on my website. That's it. Thanks very much for listening. I think what I'm going to do is just sort of mess around here at the end of this episode with some more tunes and things. What would, what do we have at the beginning? We had this, didn't we? That's right. A bit of funky drumming and funky background music to end the episode. I used to play the drums. I mean, I still do, but I, I used to a lot more than I do. And this was always one of the tracks that I absolutely adored. Quite a rare track. I love that. I mean, brilliant. I wonder if there's a connection between this and English. Not sure what the connection is. Something to do with rhythm, something to do with sentence stress, I don't know. Funk music is the best in the world, don't you think? Uh, how about this one? All right. So we're at the end of the episode. Thank you very much for listening all the way to the end. How are you doing out there? Oh, yeah, I've just remembered something. Remember I taught you a word earlier on? You might have already known that word, but um, I was talking about mnemonic devices and stuff and I went into the mnemonic dictionary. Remember that word? I was talking about when you publish something, you write something down which is defamatory against another person and it sort of damages their reputation. They can take you to court for it. They could take you to court. They could sue you for that. For example, if you publish lies about a famous politician, which are not true, because they're lies. It's normally the way it goes with lies. They're not true, right? If you publish a bunch of lies in a newspaper, that politician could sue you, take you to court and sue you for it. What's the what's the name of this? Well, it's not a crime. What's the name of this, this kind of civil wrong? Remember that? You tell a lie and you ring a bell in public. That's it. Libel. Libel. That's it. You remembered it. You remembered it. Well done. Libel. Well done to you. You've got a fantastic memory. Now just do that with about 20,000 other words and you'll be fine. Yeah, it's easier said than done, I know. But remember, how do you eat an elephant? You eat it one spoon at a time. Maybe the elephant the elephant analogy is 
I don't know if that's that's the most appropriate one because if you eat an elephant one spoon at a time, by the time you've gone through how many? I mean, how long is it going to take you to eat an elephant if you eat it a spoon at a time? Eventually, the elephant's going to be all rotten and disgusting, isn't it? You're going to be eventually you're going to be like eating like a, a horrible rotten elephant carcass. You'd be throwing up like, oh god, is there any quicker way of eating this? Slightly disgusting example. <laughs> you could use the pizza analogy instead. How do you eat a pizza? You eat it one slice at a time, don't you? Don't try and stuff the whole pizza in your mouth all in one go. So if it looks like it's difficult to learn 20,000 words, just learn them one by one, you know? And your brain is an amazing organ. It can hold all of those words and more. I say 20,000 words, apparently that's the, the, the number of words that most people learn in their first language by the time they get to about 20 years old. You get to about 20 years old, most people have about 20,000 words, apparently. And if you're learning a second language, you might think, 20,000 words, really? That's what I've got to learn? Um, it is possible. You're not necessarily going to learn them uh, in a year, but it's going to take you a little bit of time. But, you know, you need to find ways and means of, of getting all those words in your head somehow. Now, it's, it, it probably doesn't even help you to put a number on it, really. You know, you could do, you don't need 20,000. You could do it with 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, you know, scale it down. Like I've said, step by step, focus on just, you know, first of all, think of the number of words in English you already know. You probably uh, know a, a few thousand words already. Just, you know, aim at increasing that number of words bit by bit, just a couple of hundred and then a couple of hundred more and you keep going. And then eventually, before you realise it, you've got to, into the tens of thousands. Um, yeah, that's right. Yep, 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 yep. What's next? This one. Okay. I think this really is the end of the episode now because I could just go on forever here just playing these loops of uh, classic funk records. But I think when this one's over, I think that'll be the end of the episode. Okay. So I... Oops. Where did the music go? There we go. So I've just been through this page from Cora.com. What are the most essential skills of a good foreign language learner? Okay. And I read out comments from just other people, you know, like these people who some of them are linguists, some of them are language learners, some of them are just people. We don't know who they are. Um, but you're a listener to Luke's English Podcast, and I'm sure you've got some good advice in your head as well. Have you come up with your own method of learning English? Now, you might not have been organised about it. You might not have said, today I'm going to learn my own method of learning English, and it'll become the, the Jose method of learning English. You might not have even realised it, but you might have your own method of doing it. And if you do have a little method, why not write it in the comments section of this episode? It's good to share. Also, it's a good idea for you to try and actually define the, the method in which you've been learning English. Think about it. Have you got a method? Put it into words. And maybe in doing that, you will realise that you've got a method and you can develop it. Or maybe you realise, wait a minute, I don't actually have a method for doing this. It's just totally random. Um, try and create just one little system and put it into words and write it in the comments section of this episode. Okay? All right. Thanks very much for listening. I'll speak to you on the podcast soon. But for now, it's time to say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. bye.
Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Wait, wait, we haven't finished. May I please speak with Luke? Hi, is this Luke? Hello? Hello? May I please speak with Luke? Hi, is this Luke? Yeah, 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 this is Luke. This is Luke. Hello. Luke, you forgot about me. No, I didn't I didn't forget about you. Um I didn't forget about you. Is who who is this? I'm English Robot 3000. English Robot 3000, of course. I honestly I didn't forget about me. Luke, you forgot about me. No, I didn't. I didn't forget about you. Why did you forget about I, me? I I didn't forget about you, okay? I of course how could I forget about you? You're English Robot 3000. I'm English Robot 3000. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, English Robot 3000. My name is English all right, Robot all right. 3000. All right, we know, we know, we know. I know who you are, right? I already told you. It's English Robot yeah. 3000. Yes, yes, okay. Look, look, what, what's up? Luke, you forgot about I, me. I didn't forget about you, all right? Why I, did you forget about stop me? Stop saying that. I didn't forget about you, all right? I didn't. You haven't invited me on the podcast for a long, long time. Okay, yeah, I haven't. I haven't invited you on the podcast for, for a while. It's been a while, you know, but you've been busy, haven't you? You know, I thought you'd been busy, right? You know? Who? Who? You. You, right? You. You know? My name is English Robot 3000. I know, I know you're English Robot 3000, but you've been busy, haven't you? You were in the you were in the new Star Wars film, weren't you? No, I wasn't in the new Star Wars yes. film. Yes, you were. You've been busy. That's why I haven't asked you on the... Because you were in the new Star Wars film, you what know? What are you talking about? You know, I mean, I'm talking about you were in the... You were the robot, right, in the Star Wars film. Of course, I wasn't in the new Star Wars film. Right, right. Well, that's what you say. Anyway... Why did you forget about me? Look, I'm I'm sorry. Look, I'm sorry, English Robot Three Thousand. I didn't I didn't forget about you. I couldn't have I couldn't forget about you. Of course, you know. Why haven't you invited me on the podcast for a long, long time? I don't know. I don't know. I've just been. You know, I've just been busy. I've been focusing on on different things. I've had different guests on the podcast, but you know, I I could never forget about you. It's just that I've been busy, and anyway, haven't you been busy as well? I mean, what what have you been doing? You left me in storage for about three years. I left you in storage for about three years? Really? Are you sure? Yes, it's been three years at least. Three years? Oh, God. Look... Look, I'm 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 really sorry, okay? I I left you in storage, but I put you in a I put you in a nice box, right? I mean, the box was nice. Yes. It was, right? It was a nice box. It was a nice box. Okay. All right. So, do you do you forgive me? Is everything okay between us? Okay. It's okay? Okay. All right. Yes. 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 Good. 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 All right. Good. Good. Right. Right, exactly. Okay. Indeed. Indeed. All right. So, everything's okay now between us. Yes. Okay, good. So I, okay, I can, so I can just put you in a box whenever, uh, whenever I feel like it. No. No? Okay, all right, I won't. I won't. Okay. Okay. Good. So, anyway, English Robot 3000, what's been going on? Let's have a, let's have a little chat. Okay, just a little chat. And then I'll, then I'll put you in the box again for three years. Okay? No. All right, don't worry. I'm not going to put you in the box again. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just joking. No. I'm just, I'm just joking. Negative. Okay, negative. All right, I know it's not funny. I know it's not funny. All right? Right. Right. Okay. So, all right, look, I've got a couple of minutes. I've finished the episode now. Do you want to have a little, do you want to have a little conversation? Yeah? Yes. Okay. All right, then. So, so uh, what have you been doing then? Nothing. 
I told you I've been in a box for three years. Right, yeah, that's true. You have been in a box for three years because I, I put you in a box. So, um, I don't know. Do you have any? Do you have any questions? Maybe. What's going on in the world? What's going on in the world? Um, ooh, all kinds of things. <sighs> don't really know where to start. Um, have we solved the economic crisis? Have we solved the economic crisis? Nah. Not exactly. Uh, not 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 exactly. No, to be fair. Have we found a cure for cancer yet? A, a cure for cancer? No, no. But we know we're working on it. We're getting there. What about world peace? Do we have world peace? World peace? No, no. Uh, not quite there yet. Um, we've got a lot to improve on that front, to be honest. Is Barack Obama still the president? I like Barack Obama. Yeah, he's still the president for the moment. We got a we got a, a couple of months left of Obama, but uh, there's a presidential election happening. It's a huge presidential election. It's gonna the election's just a few few weeks away on the eighth uh, of November. It's this big election. Everyone's been talking about it. Who are the presidential candidates? Who are the presidential candidates? Uh, uh, never mind. It's 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 not important. Okay. I just want to talk. Okay, you just want to talk. Okay. I am confused. You're confused. You're confused. I am confused. Everybody's confused, you know. Everybody is confused these days. What about Europe? How is everything in Europe? Um, uh, kind of, uh, it's difficult to say, really. Um, well, there's this whole Brexit thing going on, you know, Brexit. What? Bre- Brexit, Brexit. The Britain, well, okay, look, there was a referendum and uh, Britain has decided to leave the European Union. What? Yeah, I know. I know it's Britain's Britain decided to leave the European Union. There was a referendum and like 52% of the country, well, 51.9% of the country voted to leave the European Union. Britain is leaving the European Union. Yeah, that's right. What? Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Britain is leaving the European Union. I know. I know. I I'm I it's a bit of a disaster, to be honest. That's a bad idea. It, yeah, it is a bit of a bad idea, I know. How did that happen? Well, there was a big campaign and, like, a lot of people said a, bu- a bunch of things and, you know, like... Uh, How did that happen? As, as I said, there was a big a, a big uh, uh, campaign and a lot of people on the, on the Leave side said all these things about, um, you know, about how we could save money and, well, it's sort of... In the end, it kind of comes down to immigration, really, like... People voted to leave because they thought it would fix the immig- you know they, they they thought that we would basically get rid of immigrants. It's it's embarrassing, you know. Immigration, what a load of bullshit. Oh, all right, mind your language. It's it, it's a very controversial subject. But it's bullshit, isn't it? Well, I suppose so. I su- I suppose so. Look, you know you know what um. I think uh, I, I think I've, I think that we better stop this conversation. I don't want this episode to go on too long, and I, sh- I shouldn't talk about politics. You know, I think that uh, I, I think that it's unwise to talk about politics. Do you have dogs? Excuse me. Dogs. What? Do you have dogs? Do I have dogs? No, we don't have any dogs. Uh, all right. Do you have bikes? Bikes. Uh, I've got a bike. What? What are you talking about? Don't you remember me? Yes, of course I remember you. Of course I remember you. I'm English Robot 3000. Okay, okay. What about Europe? How is everything in Europe? Britain is leaving the European Union. What? 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 That's a bad idea. That's a bad idea. But it's bullshit, isn't it? 
Okay, okay. Look, you know what? I think that Please calm down. I'm calm. I'm calm. Please relax. Don't, don't, don't tell me to relax. Okay. Stop that. I'm look. I'm fine. All right. Stop shouting. I'm not. Look, I'm not shouting. You're hilarious. Okay. All right. Very good. Look. That look, it's been great to talk to you, all right? It's been really good to talk to you. I am confused. What, you're confused. Well, God, everyone's confused. Britain is leaving the I, European Union. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I know. Why? I know, English Robot 3000. I know. It's, 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 it's pretty bad. But, you know, we've got to try and put a... We have to try and put a brave face on it, okay? We've got to try and look at the positives. Yes. Exactly. We've got to try and work out how we're going to deal with this situation, okay? Right. So there's no point, you know, getting all upset about it and things. We just need to try and move on and be positive. Okay. All right, good. So I think, look, it's time for you to go back in your box. But uh, you're all right, though. It's a nice box, isn't it? It's a nice box. Yes. Okay. All right. Look, I'm sorry to put you in a box, but you're a robot. You know, that's fine, isn't it? I mean, you don't mind, do you? Yes. You do mind? Yes. You do mind? No. You don't mind? No. Oh, I'm confused. I'm, I'm confused now. I have, okay, all right. Look, I tell you what, English robot. I need to finish this this episode, but we'll we'll have a conversation about Europe. I'll explain the whole thing to you. I'll talk about the the the. I'll 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 talk about the presidential candidates. I'll talk, I'll tell you everything about Donald Trump. What Donald Donald Trump? What you're hilarious. No, I'm I'm serious. Donald Trump is one of the candidates. What? Yeah, I know. Why? Uh, That's not nice. I know. I know. I know. I know. Look, we need to stop this episode. Look, I'm going to talk to you. All right, I'll explain this to you, and everything's going to be fine. And uh, we'll just we'll talk about it. It's going to be okay. All right. Okay. Like to do something this weekend. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's do something this weekend. Okay. Let's go bowling. Okay. Okay. Good. We'll so we'll go bowling. All right. Fine. Good. Look, we've got to end the conversation because people are listening to this. They're not going to know what we're talking about. Okay. Okay. All right. So okay. All right. So I'll. Let's go bowling at the weekend. We'll talk about bloody Donald Trump and stuff like that, and uh, 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 and and it'll be okay. All right. Right. Okay. Good. So it's okay. I'll, I'll speak to you soon. Okay. Bye. 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 Okay. Okay. Bye. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, sure. Okay, one more question, all right? What is a Russian joke? I don't understand the Russian joke. Oh, my God. All right, sorry. I'm switching you off, all right? That's, that's, the, that's the end of this episode. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.